is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Sammy Lopez, we continue the conversation on passion and good business sense. We also talk about the show he's working on, how to dance in Ohio, and changes in the theater industry. So I hope you enjoy part two with Sammy Lopez. Is there a particular project that has taught you a significant amount about yourself? Yes, I'm I'm currently in the process of developing a new musical called How to Dance in Ohio. And it's an adaptation of an HBO documentary by Alexandra Shiva of the same name. And the story to me um, is a, is a, bl a blend of all of my, the areas of my life that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, when I first moved to New York City, I started volunteering for an organization called CoLab Theater Group, which stands for Creative Opportunities Without Limits and Boundaries. And we um, teach musical theater and acting classes to actors in New York City with developmental disabilities. And it, uh, it has been the best um, opportunity in my life to be a part of CoLab. Every week, it's, um, you know, we devise shows in class and we um, perform them at the end of the semester. And, you know, the, the class is baked in trust. It's baked in, you know, listening and, you know, being a good ensemble member. And what does it mean to be an ensemble member? And so, um, you know, with, with my collab work, you know, which was kind of sitting on, you know, one part of my brain. And then in my commercial theater work, which was sitting in another part of my brain, um, while when How to Dance in Ohio came into my life, you know, the story centers um, seven autistic individuals um, at the Amigo Family Counseling Center in Ohio, which is a real place. So the, the film, it, you know, documents, um, Dr. Emilio Amigo. So his name's Dr. Amigo, which is what's a better name than Dr. Amigo. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's crazy that that's his real name. <laughs> um, but uh, so the documentary follows um, uh, Amigo, you know, uh, bringing the concept of throwing a spring formal for his clients. And so the documentary, you get to see the uh, individuals at the center, um, you know, going through the rite of passage of uh, going to a dance. And um, the documentary is so beautiful and led with kindness and, you know, the, the importance of human connection. And, you know, so many of the themes in the documentary um, you know, are directly connected to the themes that I take away from each collab class. And so it was almost like when I first watched this documentary and the composer um, came to myself and Ben, my producing partner, and he was like, this documentary sings. I want to turn it into a musical. And I, I immediately saw the kind of blend of my values and my worlds and, you know, finding ways to bring collab into the commercial theater space. And so that was really exciting. And so, you know, you, you ask like, is, is there something new that I'm learning and everything is new with how to dance in Ohio? You know, we've brought in 
this level of accessibility accessibility to the new musical theater development process that hasn't really happened before, um, sadly. You know, there's the way that we address accessibility in our work um, in in specifically in commercial theater is so behind. And, you know, we're uncovering um, so many new tools and new strategies to bring into the rehearsal process that honestly, I I think I'm going to do on every show that I produce, not just How to Dance in Ohio, but, you know, with How to Dance in Ohio, we're looking at the ways that we can authentically support the autistic community in our process. What does that mean? It's, it's, asking questions for every decision we're making, you know, it's, it's saying, is this going to support our company? Um, and likely it's, it doesn't because a lot of the processes that we've inherited in our industry are not inclusive. And it's been exciting every day. We're learning something new and, um, and we're, you know, really looking at what sensory friendly performances mean and, and how do we, dive deeper into that like what does it look like if we don't just have one sensory friendly performance a quarter but we have one sensory friendly performance a week or what if every performance could um could have be sensory friendly you know and i i feel like it's exciting to be in this early stage in our development to to include these conversations as part of our process and and what was really important to all of my producing partners on this show is um, making sure that the autistic community was a part of this development, which is where CoLab came into the picture. And they were able to connect us um, to an incredible creative consultant who is on our creative team um, and, you know, holding us accountable. And, you know, we all have blind spots. We all make mistakes. And so it's like acknowledging the fact that you know, we are going to make mistakes on this production because it hasn't been done before. Um, So just bringing that level of grace to, to this process is, was really, you know, step one for us. And um, so, and layering in um, new creative team members who've never been invited into the theatrical space before is also, you know, a learning curve and, and it's been beautiful. And, um, you know, we've, you know, just brought in an associate um, producer, an autistic associate producer. And what does that mean when, you know, we're able to have this representation at this, at this stage in the production, you know, it's a, a lot of the times I feel like these types of decisions come when the show is, you know, directly headed to Broadway. Um, but we're, you know, directly headed into like, a three week workshop, you know, it's, we're at the very beginning of our process. The show is premiering in September. Um, but we wanted these conversations to be from step one, you know, we wanted it to be a part of the fabric of the development of the piece. And so I think it's been so exciting to, to be a part of, uh, this, this group that is just so dedicated towards, um, towards making change in a, in a, in a way that doesn't feel like we're checking off boxes. It feels like we're operating from, from that space of 
you know, where do our values align and how do we just support everybody that's in the room? Yeah. Yeah. It, it brings, it brings a, a very large question to mind, which totally okay. If we can't completely answer it right now, are there, or what, <clears throat> what are the aspects of the theater industry that you dream of changing? And I, I say that with, of course, we've, we've talked about, you know, people behind the table, as I've done more producing, I realized it's the language in which we speak to each other and to, you know, performers and where they're put in the process. Are there other aspects that come to your mind or, or really standing out to you, particularly within the process of creating theater that you're like, you know, I have a dream to change this? Yes. I mean, this is a, like, I, I love that you asked this because it's, it's something that I often think about and I think it changes day to day or I feel more confident in my feelings about this one day than I do in another day. But um, an area that I'm really focused on right now is specifically in investing and co-producing on Broadway and the lack of representation within those spaces who are the stakeholders of any given company. And I believe that if there is representation within those two areas of a production, then producers will be held accountable for their decisions. And um, True. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I recently um, became a co-founder of the Industry Standard Group, um, which is an organization intended to increase the BIPOC um, investor and co-producer presence on Broadway. Um, we looked at the data from 2018 to 2019 on Broadway and discovered that 93.6% of the co-producers and producers on Broadway identified as white. And so, you know, I think there's power in data and there's power in wanting to change the data. And so because I'm, you know, probably a little more in that producer mindset, you know, being able to look at data and see how it, we can make actual change within that data is, is kind of where I'm starting. And so, which is why I'm specifically ad addressing, you know, the spaces that I currently mostly live in, which is investing in co-producing. And so um, a lot of, a lot of my work is identifying professional development pathways for teaching the nuts and bolts of producing and being a part of those conversations of empowering folks that may not have seen themselves as investors before or seen themselves as, um, you know, co-producers before, like giving them the tools to see themselves and giving them the invitation or not giving them, offering them the presentation, the invitation of, you know, you, you can have a stake in any given story that you believe in. Um, you know, it's, Broadway is one of those industries that is so um, network driven and, you know, you get invited to participate as a co-producer or investor in shows based on who you know. There's no real like email blast that goes out that says, do you want to invest in this? You know, it's it's really insider um, insider knowledge. And so I think it's, all, it's a producer's job to look at their networks and look at who they're making these initial asks to and, you know, 
holding ourselves accountable to being like, is this the easy ask or is this bringing a new voice to the, ta- to the table? And so, um, you know, when I think about the dreams and the change, you know, that's, that's one area specifically that I really feel like we can make our industry 1% better each day, um, you know, by just reaching out to someone new. And um, I'm also working with the theater producers of color cohort this semester where we, you know, create a free 10 week um, producing 101 course. And I'm the program mentor this semester. And we have 26 incredible BIPOC producers who come from all different types of backgrounds and, you know, are working in the industry, but in various capacities, you know, some in general management offices, some are line producers at large regional theaters in the country, some are lawyers who are just curious about what it means to be a producer. And I I think, you know, that information sharing about what a producer is and the step-by-step process of, so you have the story, like you feel really passionately that you're the right producer for it. How do we go? And so that's kind of the framework of the class. And we've been bringing in guest speakers and, you know, starting with, you know, hiring your lawyer and where to get funds to hire your lawyer if you don't have access to funds. And so it's been amazing to break down the process with such an amazing group of individuals that come with questions that that are, you know, kind of going back to Diane's quote, it's like all of their questions inherently subvert those rules. And um, so I think, you know, there's, there's this level of change within professional development that I also really believe in. And I think that that's the only way that we're going to change the way shows are made is by sharing the way shows are made. Absolutely, positively true. It's, this stuff runs so deep. <laughs> I feel like many people don't realize how deep it is <laughs> when it comes to the mm-hmm. gate, the gatekeeping and the who you know and all of that. So another massive kudos for breaking down those walls. Is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear within the theater industry? <laughs> Where to begin? An in, incorrect advice. Common, yeah. It's, I hate to say it, but it's, to me, it's the show must go on. And I think that there's, you know, there's something beautiful about being a theater person and why I love being with our theater community so, so much is that we are all such driven people. Like we, you know, we get shit done. We really, um, like, I think I always think more minds than one is the most powerful way to make a show. It's And so, yes, I always want the show to go on, but at what expense do we have, say the show must go on? You know, I'm all about the show going on, but as long as it's, it's going on from a place of, you know, uh, of looking out for each other, um, so I, I feel like that's been a phrase lately that I've just been a little irked by. <laughs> um, and, and also um, a, new, a new phrase that um, I've, I've slightly become a little um, 
aware of myself saying it is is family it's you know saying that we're a family in the theater industry is um has has brought me pause lately mostly because you know family is very um that's a very loaded statement for some folks and our our family uh dynamics are powerful in in our personal lives and so it's you know when we bring that to a workspace or a work setting and we say that we're a family some people have have really been averse to that that statement it's um you know some people have very strong feelings about their their families and so i've been more aware of you know saying we're a family to saying we're a community because at least with community we can all come to the table with our different opinions and not preconceived notion of you know if we're a family then we're supposed to love each other well if we're a community we don't have to love each other but we can convene and meet each other at a place where it feels right for each individual in that given space so that's been another kind of thing that I've been thinking about. How how do you balance achievement versus fulfillment? Ooh, that is an amazing question. You know, I think that um, fulfillment requires requires you to name. Um, to, to name what exactly about any given moment for yourself is empowering or powerful or, um, you know, feeding your soul, right? It's like fulfillment is something that only you can feel. And I think that, you know, the way I look at achievement or achieving things, that's a little more external to me. You know, it's a little more... Um, you know, I, I think a, a little more beyond expectation. I think that's that's part of the process. But, you know, fulfillment to me is what what gets me up in the day. It's it's finding the sources of joy that I can pack in any given day to um, to help me reach reach my my goals. It's you know, I, I think achievement has, it gives me a little bit of a, um, like, I don't, I don't do anything to achieve something. I do something to be fulfilled. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's a great answer. I, uh, I wonder, do you have any most gifted books, favorite books, Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So one that I read during the pandemic that I loved that was recommended by Ben Holtzman, who I've mentioned a few times on this podcast. He's my producing partner. Um, but um, he gave me the book Creativity Inc. Oh which my God. Is, um, yes. Sorry. You know, Keep going. <laughs> and yes. And that book, I mean, I really love Pixar movies. I And especially because I work in theater for young audiences, I really um, try to identify, you know, work for young people that um, is is deep and thoughtful. And, um, you know, I think for young folks, the responsibility of the storyteller is at its most, right? We're introducing 
these people to stories. We're introducing them to empathy and to, you know, um, seeing, understanding metaphor, you know, and, and um, Ed Catmull, who is um, uh, the, the writer of Creativity Inc. is, um, you know, really speaking to the way that Pixar created their stories in this book, but also um, what I think is beautiful about it is it amplifies that their focus is on the people. And, you know, it, it kind of is important to me as a producer that when I start a process, you know, my focus should be on the people. And so, um, you know, something he says in that book is, you know, find, develop, and support good people. And in turn, they will find, develop, and own good ideas. And so it's one where, you know, starting any given process of bringing in the right people and not just bringing them in because you think that they're going to check the box of the things you need for a team. It's like bringing in the right people and giving them agency to, to take their space and, and fly is I think what he's saying in, in this book. And it was incredible to hear about mistakes that they have made in their processes. Like um, I, I've been really inspired by um, one of my friends recently told me that, you know, as a producer, I'm, you know, I'm always going to make a mistake and I'm going to own up to my mistakes, but I can also own up to the fact that I don't want to make the same mistake twice. And, and I, so I think about that a lot, especially just, you know, as I'm sitting here and like reliving through reading Creativity Inc. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I think about the stories in that book that um, they shared where moments they didn't treat their people right. And what were the repercussions of that? And so that's why I really appreciated that book because I, it was helpful for me as a leader to see, you know, strategies of when you aren't, when you think you're on the right path, but you're actually not supporting your people in the, in the right way. How do you recover from that and rebuild trust? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's so much goodness that can come out of a company that empowers its employees. And I don't mean the fake empowerment. It's the one you're talking about. The real legitimate, we care, we're giving agency to you, that kind of idea. So that's a great book. I'm about to read it for a third time. Did you, <laughs> do you have any other ones that come to mind? Yes, there's this other book um, called Breaking Robert's Rules. Oh. And... It's, you know, one of my um, uh, co-founding members of the industry standard group, uh, Ronnie Pinoy, um, she is amazing. And she brought this book to my life. And I, my point of view has changed severely afterwards for the better. Um, because, you know, it really addresses like Robert's rules, majority rules, you know, um, how... How do we operate in moments of big decisions with multiple people and with producing like that's all we do we have big decisions that we either can you know split the vote or we can like go with um, you know majority rules like that's that's the way things go but this book really addresses consensus building and how we can 
um, democratize the way that we get to a, a final decision and understanding that, you know, how, how do we meet people halfway instead of saying majority rules, right? And so they utilize a lot of amazing exercises that vary from industries, that vary from, you know, sizes of decisions. Like they use at one point, like examples from, you know, a community soccer league, you know? So it's, mm. it's interesting the different ways that majority rules and Robert's rules kind of um, come into our lives as humans. And so um, approaching everything from a sense of um, how can I meet you halfway or how can I meet you to a place where you also feel comfortable and you can also bring your full self to agree with this decision is I think a, a, for me, it was a really um, powerful um, rethink of um, coming to a decision with other individuals. These I can't I can't wait to read that one. The, that's a another great <laughs> great recommendation. You you and yourself are a, a resource. What the way you're connecting individuals with thoughts and ideas is absolutely it's it's inspiring. Seriously. Uh, are there any resources that you want to list while we're recording for individuals to check out in the creation of new art and theater? Yes. I mean, I, I really have loved the producer hub. Um, I, th I believe it's just producerhub.org. Um, but it was created by octopus theatricals and there's a resources page on that. Um, website that I just find so fascinating for anyone that's interested in um, learning about, you know, producing. Producer Hub also has a fiscal sponsor sponsorship opportunity. So for individuals that aren't a nonprofit, but they have a philanthropic um, uh, project that they want to create, you know, the Producer Hub supports those uh, types of pieces and allows you to you know, raise money for any given type of project you're trying to do artistically. And they also have a job board and, you know, I think um, offer, you know, various, you know, deeper diving into the business of the business, which, um, you know, I think it's kind of been a theme of the day of like, I, I really want to, want to, you know, break down the barrier of, of, you know, access for this information. And, um, you know, another resource is the Business of Broadway. Um, it's an organization that I teach for. Um, and we, you know, our goal is to to really bring, bring that business of the nuts and bolts of building a show um, to a, a wider audience. So we've really enjoyed um, building more classes and adding more, um, uh, dates to our uh, class schedule. So, you know, I think between those two, there are um, resources that I, I really value and use myself. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Mm. I think it would just be what I think is the most important word in the world, we. Yeah. Yeah, it really does take all of us. 
<laughs> it really yeah. does. I love that. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap it up? You know, I, I just, um, I, I mentioned earlier that there's this, you know, the, the two word check-in and how uh, I was excited and anxious at the beginning of this conversation. And it's amazing how, you know, like 55 or whatever minutes later, I feel relaxed and I feel peaceful. Right. I, and I think that comes with um, the power of just like leaning into conversations and just trusting, um, trusting yourself. And so, you know, I just wanted to kind of bring it back to that because I, I, I do believe that the two were check and changed my life. Thank you, Brene Brown. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so thank you for this great conversation. It was so, so great to connect. People of the world, Sammy Lopez. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 